This episode of Converge with my guest, Veronica Corzo Ducart, is sponsored by Go, the Converge Summit. Go is our annual gathering for entrepreneurial creatives looking to make more than they ever knew possible from the things they create. Are you ready for Monday morning? For more information, check out ConvergeSummit.com. Converge is my chance to connect with creatives who make really interesting things, and when they can, profit from those things, often in ways that might surprise you. My background as a photographer and author gets me in conversations with visual storytellers and writers, but also musicians, actors, business and thought leaders, basically people who work very hard, not just to make a buck, but also to make a point. The invitation is to understand a little more of the context that surrounds their work, and hopefully discover a fresh perspective that might inspire something new around the value you're making in the world. When people get into the art world, they often come at it from two different directions. They could be professionally self-taught, passionate, talented, and they just make cool stuff. And others approach it from a more directed perspective where they, they go to school, they learn principles, they practice in a lab or in a studio. Well, my guest today did both. Veronica Corso Ducart is a Chicago-based artist, designer, and really narrative storyteller through her art. And she's done some amazing work over at Winter Bureau and Vine Bureau. And she has this thing called the Nietzsche Collection. All these things we'll talk about in a minute. But I think as you listen to the conversation, what you're going to notice is whether you come at it formally or you come at it informally, the hard work of making great things and bringing it to market is both accessible and doable, but maybe also one of the hardest things you'll do in your life. I wanted to go towards a certain path and I figured out all of the little action steps that I needed to do to get myself there. I'm your host, Dane Sanders, and I want to welcome you to Converge. Veronica, thank you so much for being on Converge. Thank you so much for having me, Dane. I'm really excited. Well, the way we got into this conversation, I, I just love the internet. I love Twitter. I love how I, I love how, how it all works. And we have some common new friends and we are new friends. I'm wondering for folks who are at home who maybe don't know about, you know, your MFA background or haven't been exposed to your collections, could you tell two stories for the audience? One is how did we come into relationship? Because I think it's kind of fun and, and maybe informative for folks who are at home who want to meet cool people. I feel like I met a cool person in you. And not only to that, but you actually introduced me to other cool people, which I thought was I'm very grateful for and our, our, our listeners are grateful for. So that's one narrative. And then the second story uh, just is your narrative. How does an American-born, culturally Cuban-influenced artist uh, from the East Coast find her way with these really cool projects that are a little mysterious in how they're framed, but once you dig into them, are really inspiring. And again, that's my editorial note on the back end, but I really and truly, your work is incredible, and it, I'd love if you could explain a little bit of the journey for the listeners. Well, thank you. I'll start with the first one, which is how we met. And um, Clay Walsh, Lisa Congdon's partner, was looking for some podcast recommendations for Lisa Lisa's new book tour and was asking about sort of design centered or, or ones that would be good for her. And I gave a couple and yours was included in that bunch. And Clay being a, um, 
podcast enthusiast knew a bunch of them, but did not know yours. So I believe she got in contact with you and, um, one thing led to another. And then we connected because I run, or I, I'm one half of, uh, the people involved of podcast thing, which is a site that recommends podcasts and also interviews people about the podcast they listen to. So podcast thing is a phenomenon all in and of itself. Like, and I guess that's the third story I'd love for you to talk about. So let's move the third story to the second story and then we'll get back to your history. <laughs> and by the way, so grateful for you for introducing me to Lisa. She was one of my favorite interviewees and her book, Art Inc. is fantastic. I've recommended it to a ton of people. But this is the circle that you run in. Like you have found yourself in this both creator position, but also curator position where you're, you're a tastemaker. You see things and you... People really appreciate your perspective and your aesthetic. What is it about podcasting that drew you into wanting to do this whole, uh, this whole curating of podcasts? It happened really on accident. I mean, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I love podcasts because, you know, they're, they tell stories. Uh, and I'm also, I mean, I'm an artist, I'm a designer. I'm also a pretty geeky about learning and, um, learning about creative businesses and how they're run. So I, I have a mix of podcasts that I listen to, some being, you know, more business driven and others that are just purely storytelling or cooking or comedy. And then my friend Max Temkin, he had put out a, a tweet. Again, everything happens on Twitter, I guess. He put out a tweet and uh, asked if anybody wanted to help him put together a site for podcast recommendations. And I was like, oh yeah, I would I would totally be interested in that. And we know each other from the Chicago design scene. And he's like, you know, you want to work on this with me? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And literally it happened in 24 hours. You know, we just put up the site and just got it up. Um, but it's incredibly popular. I mean, a lot of folks are paying attention, but influential folks are paying attention to, to the list you're putting out there. Was that a surprise to you that so many people tuned in so quick? Yeah, I was, I was surprised by that. And I think, you know, I think that uh, people are really into podcasts right now, and there's not a really great way to get recommendations. If you go on, you know, just on the Apple site and everything, there's not there's not a great way to filter out new stuff. And totally, and we it, really it becomes incestuous a little bit. Like the same groupings of shows are getting pushed around, pushed around, pushed around, and they're getting a deeper audience. But at the same time, it feels a super like a superficial audience. Yeah. And that's exactly why we wanted to do interviews as well so that you can, you know, just see what other people are listening to. You care. Like, it seems like you are very multifaceted in the things that you're interested in. And I'm curious, like in the same way that you curate podcasts, do you curate design? Do you curate art? Do you, do you have kind of a running list of things that you care about in those spaces? I do. I mean, you know, on my site, I, I, put a resources list on there. And, uh, I'm, I'm interested in providing people with resources. I enjoy that. And I think that might be the, um, teacher in me. Mm. Like I really enjoy putting that stuff out there. So for me, podcasting was just, you know, I, I liked the idea of putting resources out for people. And I'm also really invested in, you know, archiving and documentation, which, you know, is, is evident in work like, you know, niche collection, but, I'm also just, you know, I'm really invested of having that stuff out there, especially these little snippets. And maybe that's just because I'm lazy and I don't want to write larger <laughs> things, but 
I enjoy, you know, reference material, being able to go back to that. Well, so Veronica, let's, let's go back then for, to the third conversation. So your journey as a, a creative professional, who's also a teacher, who has interest in podcasting, give us like a brief history of your journey. All right. Well, yes. Yeah, so I'm from the East Coast. I grew up just, you know, four miles outside of Manhattan in a very Cuban neighborhood. And, you know, I grew up bilingual uh, with my family always around and stuff. And I didn't go into design. I never really thought I would be any sort of creative. Uh, I went into psychology, you know, in undergrad. And then really what happened was I took one Quark Express class back in, back <laughs> hey, in the day. Hey, it started with Photoshop for me too, for photography. Okay. I, I get it. I totally get it. I yeah. wandered in. I'm yeah. unlikely suspect. I get it. Yeah. And uh, I really, you know, I really just like loved putting the puzzle pieces together. And, you know, I was creative as a kid. Um, but I think there's a little bit of this sense with a lot of maybe first generation or immigrant parents where, you know, there's a sense of like, you know, we would have known if you were the next Picasso. So like, you're not, you know, like you're not going to be going into art. You're going to go into something that makes sense and will be, you know, fruitful. Uh, so I, um, at that point I wasn't in a really great, uh, school for art. So I transferred to communications. We had a great communications program and I just kind of hacked my own path. I took a couple of design classes and I was really near Philly. So I took some drawing classes there and then I would drive to SVA once a week and would take one design class in the summer there. And I just started taking internships right away from my sophomore year and just sort of learned on the job. You know, I was lucky enough that I ended up working full-time as a designer right almost as I was finishing school at WHYY in Philly, which is the NPR Oh, PBS yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we get station. it. Yeah. So it, it, and- it's so funny, by the way, that whole NPR world of it seems like there are these there's like regular outlets, but then there's like uh, the New York one, the Boston one, the two yeah. Chicago ones. L.A. kind of has one uh, in the Santa Monica one. But it's it's amazing to me how powerful these little creative outposts have become. And so you, you, was that an influence on you that time? Honestly, I didn't realize it at the time. Hmm. I was never, I'm, I'm definitely listening to NPR all the time now. Um, but I wasn't into it as, um, you know, a 19, 21 year old, whatever, um, at all. Now I'm like, Oh, that was so cool. (laughs) But at the time, (laughs) at the time I wanted to do cooler stuff. And so I moved back to New York And I, you know, wanted to work in either music or film or magazines. And so I got an internship at Black Book Magazine and uh, I sat in my internship trying to avoid answering phones and started looking through this old directory called LeBook, which still exists. I don't know if you know it, Um, but it has the name of all of the art directors and the film houses and you know, everything in the city. And so I started writing down every single art director I wanted to work with and right. uh, emailing them <laughs> and calling them. And I got my first crack at it at V2 Records. And I worked there for a while. And then I moved on to Arista Records. And so I worked in the record industry and music and fashion. I really enjoy working with creatives, but I wanted to work on something like a little bit deeper. And I always felt like I had missed art school. Yeah. 
So I always felt like maybe I was missing some sort of formal training. So I decided to go into grad school and uh, my wife and I moved to Chicago and you know, I was looking for a program that was really theory-based. Um, why so why theory-based? Talk more about that. I wanted something that was theory-based because I felt I was already in the professional world. You know, I had been working as a designer professionally for about five years. And, you know, I was working in, a, in an industry I really enjoyed. But I guess I was interested in seeing the sort of back end of it. And I wanted... I guess if I was looking for something a little bit deeper, I, you know, I didn't want to go into a program where it was teaching me how to design CD covers because I was doing that, you know. <laughs> I was looking at programs more like RISD or, you know, the Art Institute, which is where I went in Chicago, you know, for their conceptual thinking and, uh, you know, theory. So, and there I really, um, that's really where I became an artist, I feel like. Mm. I never would have considered myself an artist otherwise, and I, that's how I really got a chance to play there. It's, so do you mind if we pause on that one for a second? Because yes. this is a perennial conversation, or at least in my own head. I don't know how relevant it is to everyone else. But it, I think about it a lot as someone who didn't my, – my, I went to grad school, but I studied philosophy. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm a photographer by trade. And there is this kind of perpetual sense – like the dialogue that's, that's common that I think I hear of folks who are self-taught or just passionate about a particular area of work – is that on the one hand, gosh, I don't need to go to fine art school to learn how to do this thing. I can just go do right. it. I can become a practitioner, teach myself, look at the greats who've done this. You know, another metaphor, look, you know, Mark Zuckerberg dropped out of Harvard. Why, you know, why, why can't I not do that kind of thing? And then on the other hand, there's also this kind of ache inside of like, yeah, but I'm kind of a fraud. Like I kind of didn't, I didn't do that thing. And there wasn't somebody else who, who signed off on me being an artist. And even when you say, that's when you became, how much, how important was it for you that someone else had to say that or, and maybe it's a third option, but, or could you have come to the conclusion of, oh, I am an artist just as a practitioner if enough time had passed? Hmm, that's a good question. I think what happened in grad school for me wasn't so much that anybody told me I was an artist because I was doing my MFA in, in studio art, but in visual communication. So essentially, you know, design. All of a sudden there, I felt like I became an artist because I sort of started to really come into my own skin and really exploring the things that, you know, I don't know, larger questions, maybe making work that wasn't just client-based, but really coming up with my own ideas as to where I wanted to bring things. And so that for me is, is you know, where it really clicked for me. I don't, you know, I don't think anybody sort of deemed me an artist there or anything. It just sort of like, I realized, oh wait, yeah, this is, yeah, this is what I'm doing, you know? Hmm. So when you look at other people's work in the landscape of art, and that's a big landscape, (laughs) can you, can you in a, in a glance differentiate between the artist and, and uh, maybe the, the non-artist? I don't know. I don't know that that's fair to, to say no, it's, to a, give it's a completely unfair question, yeah. uh, uh, but I'm, I'm just more candidly, uh, I won't even hold you to it later, but okay. your internal dialogue, you know, there's always a huge, um, debate about, you know, what is art versus design. And, you know, in some ways I'm, I'm kind of tired of that conversation because I feel like, well, 
who cares? Like, why are we so invested in the label as like, this is design and this is art? Is that really the question we need to be asking? Does it really matter what this is labeled as? And I know that there are some designers that say, I'm just a designer, I'm not an artist. And there are, you know, are people who say that they're both and the same goes for artists. And I feel like it's mostly about, you know, self-identification, I guess, you know, we do love our labels, but I'm less interested in asking that question, whether it's art or design more so than why does this, why is this important? Like, what is this saying? What's the concept? Um, or yeah. to get to the point of the art, if it is, who cares if it is? Get to exactly. It. So, yeah. so I love that. So, and, and your work is, that reflects in your work. Like the, it seems like both your projects and the overarching angle on how you're approaching your work really is at this, the concentric circles of, of design and art where, where you're trying to get to the point. And yet in the middle of that, as you explore, uh, in fact, let's do this before I have my, have my question about you wandering and exploring and uh, the perennial branding problem for creative people. Oh, um, sure. Talk a little bit about, about Winter Bureau and Vine Bureau and Nietzsche. So our audience, if they haven't seen it already, can have some context. Sure. Uh, Winter Bureau is my studio, or I guess it's, you know, the name that I work under. And I've always thought of it as a, a bit of this imaginary cabin that I have and all of, I surround all of the things that are important to me in there. So, you know, that's kind of the umbrella. And I work with clients that work in, you know, cultural institutions. Um, I do a lot of like, you know, print and branding and packaging work. And I also work with, you know, smaller wine clients and such. And I do all of my, my work under that name. The Nature Collection um, was really a side project that, you know, I started in 2009 and gave it a different name because it was named after my grandfather. And then Vine Bureau, it was a hybrid or not really a hybrid, it was, it was a joint uh, project between myself and a, you know, wine distribution wholesaler company called Vine Joy. So we combined our names to Vine Bureau. And that was um, doing wine branding from the bottom up, uh, really coming up with a name and, you know, doing private label stuff. Those are a little bit of the distinction. And uh, Nature Collection was a project where I took objects collected by my grandfather and I started a daily blog to create a visual archive. And then from there, I took one or more of the objects that I posted within that week and created a screen print based on that. Although, the, you know, the screen prints end up being really abstract and minimal and, and sort of modern uh, in their aesthetic. But they're all derived from those objects. How do you... Like when I, when I saw your, your Vine, this is more context for my question. When I saw your Vine Bureau project, I thought, oh, okay, here's an example of someone who could niche so tightly around design and art for wine labels that in my, in my fantasy world, there's enough business right there to build a whole career and you could just do that. And, and maybe there is, I don't know if there is, but in your case, that was really more of a project and, and an experiment and it, and it worked. It was a good run. But I, it doesn't seem like you're niching in there and that's going to be your thing forever. Talk a bit about the tension between finding a way to be immediately recognizable in the marketplace and for some, some niche kind of thing, but also having to follow your muse wherever she takes you. 
Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I don't know that I figured it out, honestly. I, I wonder if some people know me by different projects versus Winter Bureau, and that's fine. But honestly, I just, hmm. I, I see a thread with through all of my work. I don't know that others do. But, you know, of course, like most people, I have several interests and... I love working with creatives and I count winemakers as such. It makes a lot of sense to me where I'm really just translating what they're trying to do. As you're describing what you do for whether it be a winemaker or what someone could do for a musician or is that you know, hovering around reality for you where <laughs> you're looking to both amplify what you see as meaningful in a subject, whether it be for commercial purposes or just pure art? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm looking to amplify and also I'm really interested in backstory, you know, and what I love about... Like, like context, you mean? Is that what you mean when you say backstory? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm talking a little bit about history and whether... Um, you know, something has history, obviously, you know, that's really, you know, the drive in the nature collection. But to me, you know, even with wine, like wine itself has a history of a particular time and place in what, which it was made and the process. And I'm really interested in that aspect. And that's something that I see as a through line in my work, mm. um, the history behind it. And, you know, this sort of like backstory of either you know, the company or the maker or the process, you know, like I need to have some sort of narrative to sink my teeth into, honestly. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And it's funny, even as I look at podcast thing and how you guys have categorized, it seems like storytelling, narrative, context, culture, mm -hmm. <laughs> all those things seem to kind of reflect through all of your work. And uh, I really appreciate it. And it, it's funny, I actually want to turn a corner in the conversation and speak to uh, your inner teacher for a second. Sure. And in particular, as you know, you, you are very young, but very influential. You've done a lot of work in a short period of time. And a lot of people are looking to you and I suspect uh, approach you regularly asking for input, advice, direction, whether it be, uh, you know, in response to those kinds of questions, or even as you're just putting together, like you just give this great talk at this conference, when you're putting those things together, what are you trying to persuade or influence? Or as you see the, the up and comers, what do you wish for them? when it comes to, to this, again, this intersection of art and design? What, what do you think our world needs more of? Uh, let's see. What, what do I think the world needs more of? That's a, that's <laughs> it, a really... It's a um, stupidly big question, but like specifically in, in our work. <laughs> sure. I think, you know, I've, I've given several talks and I think they range from, you know, sometimes talking to students about... I've, I've been really lucky where I've gotten to work on a lot of cool stuff, right? I've, I've worked with musicians, I've worked with artists, I've worked in fashion and magazines and wine. And, you know, from the outside in, that sounds really cool. I mean, it sounds really cool to my 21-year-old self, right? But all of that stuff was really strategic. I mean, some of it was dumb luck, but also a lot of it was really strategic. I wanted to go towards a certain path and I figured out all of the little action steps that I needed to do to get myself there. And, you know, like when I talk to students, usually the advice I give is to, to start working in that industry you wanted to work in because that's where you're going to get all your references from. So if you start working in medical illustration to just get by, like all of your references are going to come from medical illustration. So 
you know, you're better off just like working at Starbucks for a while <laughs> and, you know, figuring out how to get into that niche that you want because all of that stuff will come, you know, from there. So also when I try to talk to people, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm trying to relate a little bit of my story and basically trying to connect all of those crazy dots where people are like, you do this and you do that. And wait, what do you do? Um, Well, on the heels of so much attention on you and your work, and I know we talked offline about how you're, you're refocusing and uh, specifically around culturally rooted objects, commissioned work, even cool paper goods, just stuff that inspires people and inspires you, perhaps. Talk a little bit about the need to periodically take stock and refocus. I think that as a small business that is constantly happening, if it's not, I'm, I would really like to meet people <laughs> who don't feel that way. But I, I think, you know, I'm constantly trying to figure out a even just like a better workflow or a better way to run my day. And also just constantly thinking about the work I'm doing. And maybe that's a lie. I'm not constantly thinking about that. I go, you know, in and out of that. I will have my periods where I'm like doing a lot of work and I'm not thinking about it at all. And then I will have my slower points and then I, I think about everything. So I feel like I, you know, I kind of oscillate between those two periods where I have the tendency to overthink things. And so I can go into really, you know, trying to plan everything out and do a lot of reading and a lot of research and figure out all my options. And then I have the, you know, the making part in me where at some point I need to drop all of my references. I need to drop all of that. And then I need to just like get my hands dirty and start making. And that shuts off my head for a bit. So I feel like I'm always working in those, in those two modes. I've been designing for, you know, almost 15 years professionally, but, you know, looking back and thinking about what I've done and what has been really satisfying and what melds all of my, you know, not just interests, but the stuff that I feel really passionate about and also that I think is important, you know, when thinking about, I don't know if it's what, what are people going to remember or anything, um, but, you know, what do I feel really great about and which is why I keep going back to I've been going back to the Nietzsche collection and that project was great for me because I think it, it was a really wonderful hybrid of the type of work I was doing as an artist in grad school, which dealt with cultural history and, you know, identity and all of that stuff. But then it also mixed the design. And what I loved about it was it also was connecting with people. You know, everybody has a story about finding an object or having a bunch of their family members, things handed down to them or finding them. And it was great because it connected all of these little pieces. Um, and I realized, you know, how drawn I was to the idea of the stories that objects tell. You know, it's funny, I'm, I'm, uh, again, forgive the labels, but as I'm wrestling with, okay, I want to get to know this person and you are more than these things. But uh-huh. some descriptors that come to mind to me that, that are really unique is you seem to be inspired. You seem to be pragmatic. You seem to be wandering with great intention. <laughs> 
and you seem to be an artist. And it's it's a rare, or may, maybe it's not rare. Maybe this is what all artists do. But it, it seems like it's this uh, a bunch of converging. Forgive the the, yeah. <laughs> the cleverness in that. But a, a bunch is converging in one space, and you're you seem genuinely happy with the direction you're going. Or at least when you're in alignment with those things, you seem happy with it. That's what it appears to be. Yeah. When I'm in alignment with those things, I'm happy. And, you know, really what I'm trying to do is just get back in alignment and figure that stuff out. I mean, I think there's only perspective that you gain from looking back sometimes. So what do you, I mean, I love giving talks because it forces you to do that. And it, at least the way that I put things out, like I have to lay out all of those little pieces and, you know, I have to connect all of those dots for myself and for the audience. And so it's, it's me trying to continue to align those pieces. And I was, you know, I was joking before when we were talking where it's sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I want to be Lisa Congdon when I grow up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even though I'm, I'm, I'm pretty grown up, but, um, but you know, I love that she also has that, you know, she, she has a teacher in her, she, she writes about the business side of creativity. And then she's also an artist and a maker. And she talks to people about all of those things. And those all are, you know, interesting to me. Like I couldn't just do one. I need to get out and talk to people and then I need to go back and do work. And it's a really nice balance to be able to, to do all of those things. This was episode 032 of Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. ConvergePodcast.com is our home where you'll find past episodes, as well as Go, our annual gathering for creatives looking to make a difference with their creations. Music today provided by TripleCMusic.com, sound as good as you look. Thanks to Anna Quaza at acreative.co for her audio production. And a special thanks to Veronica for being with us. Visit her at winterbureau.com. As usual, I want to thank you for spreading the word about the show. Or if you like what's here and you haven't shared it with a friend, would you? Maybe consider one person who you think would benefit and invite them along. When you leave questions and comments on the site and rate us on places like iTunes, we recognize that you caring enough to do that sort of thing is a big deal, and we're grateful. That's it for now. I'm Dane Sanders. I cannot wait until next time.